Good morning, pastors and ministry leaders. Thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the Nigerian Pastors Podcast. My name is Shegun Ayegusi, and I am a pastor and founder and director of the Gathering Faith Leadership Network. We are a pastoral training ministry in the city of Jos in Plato State, Nigeria, and our mission is to encourage, equip, and strengthen pastors and ministry leaders. The Nigerian Pastors Podcast is the audio ministry of the Gathering Faith Leadership Network, and we aim to achieve two goals through this podcast. One, we want to minister to the pastor's heart and stir up in you a greater love for Jesus Christ. The fact is, when a pastor is in awe and in love with Jesus Christ, it will result in emotionally and spiritually healthy ministry leaders who lead thriving churches. And our second goal through this podcast is to equip you with practical biblical teaching for ministry so that you can grow in your knowledge of God's Word and become more effective in preaching and teaching through the Bible. It is our ongoing prayer that the Holy Spirit of God accomplishes both of these goals in your life as you listen along. Welcome again, and thank you for listening. Hey, welcome and thanks so much for joining us. Uh, in today's episode, we are talking about anger in the life of a pastor and how to deal with anger when the very people that you're supposed to be ministering to are the very source of your annoyance. We're talking about the angry pastor. You know, pastoral ministry can be an exciting experience. It, it really can. Like, as a pastor, you will sometimes get a front row seat to watching how God dramatically changes people's lives. Like, like I mean, you'll watch former people with ad addictions get broken free from their snares that have entrapped them for years. You, you'll see couples who are on the verge of divorce change their lives and faithfully love one another. You'll see youth get baptized. You'll have the privilege of performing wedding for young adults who were once in your Sunday school class. I mean, there, there, are, very, there are many high points in ministry, and those are on the good days. The truth of ministry, however, and what no one often tells you when you're training for ministry, is that, uh, is that there are days when, when anger will play a significant role in your ministry. My friends, you will encounter in ministry a swarm of issues that will sometimes make you angry and that quite honestly, you know, turning the other cheek will not come naturally to you. Like there's some things that will really tick you off. In fact, let me give you a list of a few things that I have heard from other pastors. You will and have experienced in my own time. Um, you will experience seasons when there will be rumors that have been spread about you based on something you said that was misunderstood or something that has no basis in reality. And sometimes it'll be your closest friends starting and spreading those rumors. Uh, sometimes in ministry, you will work hard and prayerfully make decisions that will not be liked or supported and, and cliques may begin to form to usurp your authority in church. Uh, there will be statements made about you, your family, that'll poke at your greatest insecurities and fears. There will be theological positions that you will take on an issue that many people will find offensive and attack. And then if we're being honest, some of your anger issues as a pastor will come from your own personal insecurities. Perhaps maybe God is not moving fast enough in one area of your life, or you're dissatisfied at home, or you have some unconfessed sin in your life, or, or, or you're not where you thought you would be and you're getting frustrated. The sources will vary, but if you're going to go into ministry, 
You should know, go, you should go into it knowing that this is the reality of ministries. There will be hard days and you will have to deal with some seasons of ministry where you find yourself operating out of anger rather than love. So the question isn't if or when you get angry, because I've heard people say, I didn't know pastors get angry. Well, yes, they do. So the question isn't if or when, but rather the question we're addressing in this podcast is how, as in how will you choose to respond to those inevitable moments and people and situations that bring out the ugly parts of you and still continue to faithfully shepherd the flock of God that's been entrusted to you? Well, the good news today is that Jesus Christ, the senior pastor of the church, actually has something to say about this, but it may not be what you're expecting. Look at Matthew chapter 5, Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 and 22, and listen to what Jesus says. He says, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fires of hell. Whew, that's a little disconcerting, right? I think the interesting thing here is, um, you know, the Latin word for anger actually means to strangle, which I think is a perfect picture of what anger does to you. Like, like anger actually causes more damage to the person expressing it than it does to the person on the receiving end of it. In fact, let me say it plain and simple as I can. Here, here's the central idea of today's podcast, and it's this. Your anger is strangling you. Like your anger is going to end up choking you. In fact, based on this passage in Matthew 5, there are what I would describe as three effects that anger can have on your life and ministry if you leave it unchecked, unmanaged, or if you let it just linger and fester in your heart. The first, there's three of them. So in fact, let me give them to you and then we'll take the rest of the podcast and flesh each one out. So anger will end up strangling relationships in your life. Anger will end up strangling worship in your life and anger will end up strangling opportunities in your life. Let's talk about how anger strangles relationships. You know, when I said anger, and I said we're going to talk about anger, the chances are you probably thought to yourself, oh, I'm not an angry person, because when we think about anger, we mostly think of anger as being explosive, right? It's, it's volatile, it yells, it, it breaks things, it hurts people emotionally, and it hurts people physically. Well. That's the easy type of anger to identify. That's the visible anger. The truth is, anger has multiple faces. Oftentimes than not, most anger is quiet. It, it broods sort of like boiling water just beneath the surface. It, it simmers, right? Like, like, like slow boiling water. In fact, there's another name for this kind of anger. It's called being passive-aggressive. 
And this is actually the most common kind of anger found in church people and especially pastors because we we wear our anger beneath our smile. We wear our anger beneath, you know, oh, praise the Lord, I'm doing well. Like, bless Jesus. All right? We put Jesus, we hide our anger under the banner of Jesus. In fact, let me give you a few indicators or, or give you some indicators that'll help you see if you are a passive, aggressive type of person. So, so here we go. I'm going to give you a list of, what are these? One, two, three, four, five, six. I'm going to give you a list of seven things to help you identify if you have passive aggression. So think about this. Um, number one, instead of going directly to someone you have a problem with, do you tend to give them the silent treatment or are you critical about the person to everyone else? So you don't talk to them, but you talk to everybody else about someone you're angry about instead of dealing directly with them. That's you. That's called passive aggressiveness. Uh, number two, you, if you find that you are unable to forgive someone and rather than forgive them, you prefer to spread rumors about them in order to hurt them. So you don't deal with it, but you do things to hurt them. That's passive aggressiveness. Number three, if you intentionally delay or make mistakes when dealing with a request from someone who offended you, and you just, as a way to punish them, you sort of put a delay in answering them or maybe giving them what they're asking for, that's passive aggressiveness. Number four, if you undermine someone's authority or you sabotage their plan by going behind their back to hinder or slow down something that they're trying to accomplish, that's passive aggressiveness. If you frequently complain about feeling underappreciated or, or deceived and you're just constantly whining about what you're not getting and you're not actually addressing it, that's passive aggressiveness. If you constantly bring up other people's personal matter in a prayer meeting as an excuse that you want to pray for them or you want people to pray for them rather than actually praying for them in private, that's passive aggressiveness. In fact, if you have a way of disguising insults under compliments, so you say things like, I don't want to be rude, but, but then you actually say something rude, or you say something like, I don't want to be judgmental, but then you go ahead and say something judgmental, right? Like, like it, it, like after giving that clause, you proceed to be rude. All of these are indicators of a simmering anger beneath the surface. And Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 5, whether your anger is the explosive kind or it's the quiet kind, Jesus is saying, listen, anger is posing a great risk to your life on a number of different levels, to your spiritual life, your emotional life, even your physical life. In fact, for one, Jesus makes the point that anger is, <laughs> this is interesting, in verse 22, Jesus makes the point that anger is really no different than murdering someone, right? Which, let's be honest, that's kind of a shocking statement, right? I think many people would argue and say that, well, I've never killed anyone and, and I have no intention to. How can you call me a murderer? But the reality is this, murder starts in the heart, not in the hands. For everyone who's taken the life of someone else, that action did not start when they took that person's life. It started when hatred began or whatever it was their motive to take their lives. It starts with anger, which if you nurse anger like you would a little baby, you take care of anger, you let it live, it begins to grow into hatred. And if hatred is allowed to become fully grown, it gives birth to murder. That's the picture Jesus is giving us here. It's a scary thought. It, it, it all comes from the same root. Now, on that same note, anger in your life, even though it may not actually lead to murder, may be a sign that there is a crack in your relationship with God. You know, in Jesus' day, and this is what he was talking about in that verse, in Jesus' day, to look someone in the face and call them a fool 
or to say to somebody, Rakka, it's pretty much the same thing as malicious slander. It comes from a hateful place. One, one commentator points out that the word Rakka that Jesus uses in that passage can also be rendered as calling somebody a brainless idiot, a worthless person, an empty head, or a blockhead. And the problem with calling someone those names, according to 1 John 3, 15, it says that everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. This is not me speaking, this is Jesus comparing anger to murder. You see, if I or you as a pastor or ministry leader indulge or, or harbor in our hearts a grudge or assassination uh, or assassinate a person's character because we're angry at them, it's just as despicable in God's eyes as if we were to wrap our hands around their throat and try to strangle them. You see, anger strangles relationships in our lives. Secondly, anger actually strangles our worship. Matthew 5.23, Jesus says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar during worship, and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come back and offer your gift. Here's the fact. If there is animosity or a grudge or anger, whether explosive or quiet, if there's any of this in your heart towards someone else, there cannot be at the same time integrity in your worship or your preaching. Like it's hard to lift your hand in praise or bow your knee in prayer or preach with a clear conscience when you're daydreaming about vengeance on someone who bears the image of God. Reconciliation in your relationships must precede worship. In fact, Jesus even goes as far as to say that he would prefer that you stop everything in church in the middle of service, keep God waiting, first go and settle your relationship issues, then come back and continue preaching ministry. And that's because Anger interrupts, strangles, hinders your worship. It reduces it to empty ritual. That's why Ephesians 4.26 says, In your anger, do not sin, and do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. In other words, don't let anger spend so much time in your heart that it begins to fester and affect other areas of your life, especially your worship. Address it now. Deal with it now before it takes a life of its own. So let's pause for a moment here. And let's take a moment of honest self-reflection and ask yourself this question. Is there someone in your church, in your ministry, on your elder board, on your leadership team with whom you need to take an initiative and resolve an issue? You know, because Jesus tells us how to deal with this. He says, he says you need to go. Like, whether they caused it or you, it doesn't matter. Jesus says, you as the one who's been convicted, go directly, first and foremost. Engage the person you're angry with face-to-face in communication. Go sincerely. Go repeatedly. And talk with them. Try to work this out. And then he says, if nothing changes, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 to 17, in fact, we looked at this a few episodes ago, Jesus says, if nothing changes after going one-on-one, take one or two mature believers to intervene in the matter. By the way, the idea here is that you, you attempt each of these steps multiple times before it ever gets to the point of church discipline, right? Because Jesus says, go one-on-one. If it doesn't work, take one or two. If it doesn't work, bring it to the church. If they wouldn't listen to the church, then, self, this, uh, then church discipline. The fact is, before it ever gets there, you should have made every effort in your power to reconcile this relationship. 
Only when it becomes a toxic issue that begins to affect the welfare of the church should it come to a disciplinary level. Anger will strangle your relationships. It will strangle your ability to enjoy God in worship. And last but not least, anger will strangle opportunities in your life. Look again at verse 25. Jesus says, Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you're going to be thrown in prison, and truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. You know, one of the more subtle, destructive effects of anger is that it builds up walls that you think are keeping people away, but the fact is that you're actually building a prison around yourself and hindering your ministry. Jesus tells that, gives that picture of court and prison because in Jesus' day, if you lost a lawsuit or if you owed someone money and you couldn't pay back, well, you would be taken to a court and a judge would incarcerate you, put you in a debtor's prison. And unless you were wealthy, which most people were not who are reading this, you would stay in that cell until your family or friends could come up with the money that you owed. And so Jesus is basically giving us a common sense solution here. Jesus is saying, listen, before you ever get to court, swallow your pride. Work out a deal with the other person. Go and be reconciled because if you get locked up, you're going to be locked away not only in prison, but you'll be locked away from opportunities that could have come your way. You'll be blocked off from people who might have otherwise considered being a blessing to you. Nobody's blessing you in prison. That's what anger does in ministry. You know, as pastors, you and I will never know whom God is leading to us or whom he's leading us to. Some of the people in our ministry and our churches who we may push away because of one offense or another may very well be the same people that God sent our way to expand the reach of his kingdom through the church he's called us to. But because of anger, you ended up pushing them away or blocking off those opportunities. Listen, anger, if unchecked or if allowed to just linger and fester, will strangle your life. It'll strangle your ministry. It'll strangle relationships. It'll strangle worship. And it will strangle potential opportunities in your life. So if you've been dealing with anger, if you've been wrestling with anger, let me give you a few practical things you can begin doing. The first thing I would say is this. Number one, take inventory. In other words, first of all, recognize the many different faces of anger. Uh, are you an explosive, angry person or are you more of a passive, aggressive person? Identify where you fall on this spectrum because once you've pinpointed which type of anger you have, try to identify the real underlying issue. In other words, why are you actually angry? It's my experience as a pastor, as a father, husband, as a human, that oftentimes when we're angry, the truth is it's not the thing that got us angry that we're really angry about. There's an issue underneath. You see, anger often stems from something that we are depending on that hasn't lived up to its expectation, which, by the way, is exactly what an idol is. Anger can come from the fact that we felt like something was taken away from us or we didn't get what we uh, expected or desired to have, whether it's our sense of worth, an essential need, or even something very tangible. So prayerfully think through that question and answer, what are you really angry at? What is it, what is it that, that, man, if someone touches you, you just go off? 
take inventory. That's the first thing. Number two, be aware of emotional triggers. In other words, what or who usually sets you off? Or in what circumstances are you most prone to lose your anger? It may be very revealing once you identify what that source is. You may find out that it's a certain person who says things a certain way that reminds you of something that someone in your family did to you. So when they do it, it's actually not them you're angry at. It's what they are. It's the button they're pushing. Right. So, so what are your emotional triggers? Who sets you off? What are the things that sets you off? Obviously, try and avoid those places and those things. Number three, own up to your role. Take responsibility for your role. So if you evaluate the series of circumstances that led to your anger and you pinpoint what the issue is, identify what role you played in the offense. James 5.16 says you are to take initiative and in your conflict resolution, confess your role in it and actually pray for one another. And if you explore the situation and you dig deep and discover that you carry no guilt in the matter, then even then your mandate as a follower of Christ is still to release the other person of the offense because of what Christ already did for you and I, which actually leads to this next point, which is this. And, and this one requires a little bit of thinking, but, but when it comes to ministry, I want to challenge pastors and ministry leaders with this one. Relate to other people as equals. I've been in ministry long enough to know that sometimes we get angry because we feel disrespected. We may feel like somebody who doesn't have enough or as much spiritual clout as we do spoke to us a certain way and we think, how dare they speak to me? Well, listen, if you want to cut down on anger and you want to live a humble life that pleases God, Relate to other people as equals. Do not elevate yourself above anyone else or adopt a position of superiority over them. Yes, you're their pastor. But listen, as pastors, our job is not to bully our congregation or to force our will on them. Rather, our calling as pastors is to be a shepherd, to serve them. You will need to embrace the fact and the truth that every person you interact with, no matter how low they may be on the spiritual scale in your mind, every person you interact with is made in the image of God and is just as highly valued and cherished by God the Father as much as you are. And so some of your anger issue may stem from the fact that you expect people to treat you a certain way because of your position and they haven't. Or your anger may stem from the fact that you expect, uh, from the expectation that those you have given great respect haven't returned it back to you. Listen, honor those who have gone before you, but give to each person equal value regardless of their position. And you may discover that you're not as angry as you used to be. And then last but not least, not only should you take inventory, not only should you be aware of emotional triggers, not only should you own up to your role, not only should you relate to other people as equals, but finally, draw strength from the cross of Jesus Christ. When you have been offended, before you lash out or before you harbor resentment, recall to mind that God, too, was angry at you and I because of our sin. And he had every reason to. Scripture says he died for us even while we were still sinners. You know what that means? That means that even while he was forgiven, extending grace to us, we were still sticking the middle finger at him. So God had every reason to be angry at us because of our sin. Yet. God diffused his anger by sacrificing Jesus Christ on the cross so that you, so that people could be forgiven, transformed, and restored into a right relationship with him. You see, at the cross of Jesus Christ, God 
canceled, listen to that word, God canceled a great unpayable death that you and I owe him and could never pay back. So there really shouldn't be any room in my heart or your heart to reserve anger at someone who may very well have hurt you, but whose offense against you is still less than what you owe God. You see, it's for this reason that we are to forgive, just as our Father in heaven forgives. We are to release others of their offense against us. doesn't mean you have to let them walk over you. You can forgive someone and not necessarily go back to them to let them offend you, but we can release them of the offense and keep a healthy distance in order not to keep experiencing whatever it is they're doing to us. Because if you harbor anger, that anger you are nursing will only end up strangling your life. So I pray, man, as we wrap this up, I pray that you find comfort. I pray that God shows you his incredible grace so that you'll find strength in him to release others from anger. I pray that you identify what your triggers are. I pray that you take ownership of your role. I pray that you see others as equal in God's eyes. And I pray that you would find strength in the Lord Jesus Christ. May you find comfort and strength to extend to others what God has freely extended to you in Christ. Thanks again for listening to the Nigerian Pastors Podcast. For more information about our ministry, uh, you could visit our website, www.thegatheringfaithleadership.network. We are a pastoral training ministry in the city of Jos, Plateau State, Nigeria. And our mission is to encourage, equip, and strengthen pastors and ministry leaders. If you enjoyed this week's podcast and were blessed by it, there are one of two ways you can be a blessing to us in return. One, you can subscribe to our podcast on whatever streaming platform you're listening to us and leave an encouraging review and give us some great stars uh, telling us how much you enjoyed our podcast. That would mean a lot to us. And then two, you can actually visit the episode page of this week's podcast and share it on any of your social media platforms, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, wherever, and let your friends know about us. We truly appreciate you and hope you were blessed by this. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you up with you next week. Stay close to Christ. Mm-hmm.